Shadow Lady Chun-Li is turning a surprising amount of heads with her Marvel vs. Capcom tendencies in Street Fighter V, and we have to wonder, might she be a foreshadowing of things to come? Ten points! I did it! Dogra asks us to compare Street Fighter V to Street Fighter IV, which is more fun to play and which is more fun to watch. Catalyst spent 10 hours getting better at SF5 without playing the game at all. Justin Wong draws an unexpected conclusion while commentating his epic Moment 37 match against Daigo. The CPT Asia Regional Finals have a tie issue. Street Fighter League is looking a little fishy at the moment, and plenty more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. I'm a little bit demoralized this morning, um, and it, the reason is my girlfriend and I were heading to Universal Studios this weekend because oh. she's never been there. So we're doing this little like getaway to SoCal, going to go to Magic Mountain and Universal. And so we've been watching some of the movies that they have rides of there. And uh, last night was The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. You remember that, Jem? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited to share it with her. I'm like, you're going to have so much fun. Brendan, th this, this character, like this whole movie was great. And mm -hmm. about 10 minutes in, she's like, this Brendan and Fraser guy sucks like she just oh. absolutely hated him I'm like well first of all you're wrong but why and then she said he looks like a doofus and he's got dumb hair and he has terrible terrible one-liners I'm like yeah it's the mummy from like 1999 or whatever it was of course all of those things and that's why he's great and but she didn't like it she thought the rest of the movie was pretty good but now I don't know if I even want to still be with her anymore because she doesn't like Brendan Fraser so I'm kind of like I said, demoralized, and uh, but hey, the podcast is a, is a bright spot in my life. I really enjoy doing this, so I'm going to shift gears over to this, but just know that there's that rain cloud, sand cloud following you know me around right now. I have another mummy story to relay, actually. So uh, my brother and I went into a video store. That's actually where you know you could go and rent movies and stuff, like back before Amazon and all that <laughs> other kind of stuff hit. Like no idea what to, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, had, you had to go to a place. Uh, but we took uh, my brother's three-year-old daughter at the time <laughs> into the store, and she loved the movie The Mummy. And she grabbed it off of the, the you know shelf, and she walked over to my brother and said, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. And it was so adorable because she loved that movie. And you know, my brother let her watch The Mummy at three years old, whatever. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> that, that, that's how beloved that movie is. So I, I have to agree with you, but I can't talk crap about your girlfriend. So I'm going to just say that I agree with you, and she's wrong. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right, moving right into it here. Um, Shadow Lady came out. And Street Fighter V, and it is a challenge. It costs you like a thousand fight money to play against her. She is hard as freaking hell. She is cheap. She's dirty. Um, but but I wonder with like looking at this character if there are implications for a Marvel versus Capcom title kind of being tested here. And people are probably immediately going to go, "What? Like that, that? That's not a thing. Capcom doesn't do that." You can well. hear the eye rolls. Yes. Uh, Omega Edition was actually a test bed for Street Fighter V. And they, they dropped that into Street Fighter IV. And then actually a Capcom staff member confirmed to us by accident on the record, which I don't know if we ever published, but uh, they were like, oh, yeah, like we're testing some stuff that we've never done before in Omega Edition and we hope people enjoy it. Uh, you know, and like kind of alluded to a number of other things and whatnot. Um, and then like, you know, we asked them about it later on and they later retracted and said, oh, yeah, like uh, we definitely did not let the cat out of the bag on this one we know there, there's a nothing's going on with omega edition and of course now if you look back on our website if you look back at omega edition itself you can see it 
I don't know how many percentage of moves, but like a lot of moves have been ported over from that version of the game into Street Fighter V. A lot of the characters have been like straight up uh, adapted from that, right? Didn't Ken have fireball uh, kicks? Like he would throw fireballs from his kicks just like Lucia does? You know what? That one I don't know. I uh, We need to go back to and have Justin write more articles about this stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. But I, I know the ones he's written, like they've held up super well. Yeah. Like uh, Sakura, um, Cody, and a bunch of other characters who have moves like straight up ported from Omega Edition. It's time to go back and look at Honda and Poison too, because so, we, now we have those two as well. So um, yeah. I'm on that front, the first reaction that I'm having, and then so probably a lot of people are having that have seen Shadow Lady Chun-Li in action, they're thinking, there is no way in hell that I want that Marvel versus Capcom ass character in a Street Fighter game. And, and I agree with that. But there is something to take away. If this is some kind of a test, and if this is a an entertaining of an idea that maybe we'll put this in Street Fighter VI, the big takeaway here, by far, is the uh, surplus of various moves that she has that make things suddenly very interesting. And there's got to be a reason why this particular boss character is standing out more than a lot of the other boss characters. I know we had like a Shadow Nash and like an overpowered Nikali and Shinakuma, and they got a little bit of some screen time, a little bit of headline time, but no one has touched what Shadow Lady Chun-Li has been. And for those that don't know, she's actually straight ripped from Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom superheroes. She was a secret character in that. And she has a ton of like weird moves, like I said, the, the missiles, and she's got like an air demon, and she can do supers with two bars of meter, th- crazy stuff like that, and combos for days in the air, just like Marvel vs. Capcom. Um, I would also very much stand by the idea I don't want a Marvel character in Street Fighter. But what right. I would be okay with, with some a little more pizzazz than what we've seen, especially in like the base roster of Street Fighter V, the, the, there's been constant problems, or at least early on there were, with you couldn't tell who you were playing, you could just tell the character, but you could never tell like the player because all the characters sort of played the same and there wasn't too much difference um, from player to player in what you'd see in the characters. And with more flash and moves and and more variety, maybe that remedies that problem that I think has been an issue for Street Fighter V. Yeah, I'm actually going to take this in a little bit of a different direction and mention that um, I'll quickly run down. You've already mentioned a few of these, but she has a launcher attack like you would expect in Marvel versus Capcom. Uh, hidden missiles are missiles that kind of home in on you or whatever. Uh, she has chain combos, a double air jump, an air dash. All interesting stuff to kind of port over to this engine, if you ask me. And and most of that stuff, like, I, I would kind of be terrified to see that in Street Fighter V itself. Um, but what the, the interesting thing to me here is uh, Street Fighter V is on the Unreal Engine. But also Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was on the Unreal Engine. And it's possible in a lot of fighting games actually use that engine as, as we've you know, spoken about here before. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do a new Marvel versus Capcom game or a Marvel versus whatever, you know, type thing, maybe it makes a heck of a lot of sense to keep it on Unreal. And maybe it makes a lot of sense to put a character like this into the game and test out a bunch of fundamental uh, concepts that you're looking at. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to talk about something like on paper. You know, we, we've talked about this like endlessly, like we'll look at, you know, a change list for a character and say, oh my gosh, this character is going to be incredible or they're not going to have enough done for them. But once you actually get it in and, and are able to mess around with it and see how strong that it is or not, like that's when, you know, the rubber meets the road, as they say, right? So 
I, I think that Capcom is messing around with this. You know, maybe it's to add some unique stuff into Street Fighter V, but I really feel like this game is mostly done in terms of like what we're going to see in terms of like new mechanics and other things. I think they want to see how the game works and how the stuff works like in the Unreal Engine and kind of like on its own so they can start maybe playtesting and doing things because Shadow Lady, like all the moves that she has, that's not like a simple, oh yeah, um, you know, we took Nikali's moveset or whatever and ported it over to Chun-Li and like, you know, she's, it's like, no, they coded a bunch of stuff from scratch to get that to work. That was was a lot of work, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not simple to do. And, and so the thought process here is like, I think Capcom was like, Hey, we don't want to waste all that. Right. Like we want it, we want this work that we did to, to mean something basically. And and to, you know, why not put this out there as a challenge thing, see what people think of it. But also we can collect data from the players that are playing against this character and kind of see how stuff pans out, so to speak. Right. You're, you're able to get real life session sessions and, and replay data and all that kind of stuff. Like get that out into the wild, maybe without people realizing what you're doing. Maybe I, I think I'm overloaded with, with Street Fighter stuff right now in terms of like where are things going and and is this the future and and just the idea of entertaining a Marvely Street Fighter in my mind right now I just go nope information overload can't deal with it uh, no more no more missiles in my Street Fighter right now I can, I can barely deal with what I have in front of me yeah yeah it's um. With this, like right now with the Shadow Lady, is they don't have to worry about balance with the character. That's a big deal. Capcom has cited, and other companies have cited many times, we spend so much time on development, like just looking at, you know, how these characters are balanced and how they're structured and all that kind of stuff, right? Like that, it, it's huge for them. Um, so yeah, th- this to me just seems like too large of an investment for a challenge mode character. Like, hey, we just put this together, you know, it took us a couple months or whatever and stuff like that. This to me is is peeking behind the curtain and seeing a much larger project like looming in the background. Again, we've heard rumors of Marvel versus Capcom coming in the future like so many times now. Uh, why would you not update that franchise again? It's dormant right now. Infinite was terrible. Marvel 3 was terrific. It was, you know... Um, it's just like don't repeat the same mistakes, but like why why would you leave that franchise dormant for a long period of time? There's just no reason to. It does very well from a sales standpoint, and for some reason it doesn't really cannibalize your core Street Fighter audience. And then you're seeing that that role filled by you know titles like you know Dragon Ball Fighters, right? Like Dragon Ball Fighters has come in and done very well. It's like well why isn't Capcom going to revisit that? Is kind of my main argument. So what you're saying is Marvel versus Capcom cross Street Fighter coming your way. Exactly. That's it's got it's got to come <laughs> at some point. Uh, and, and again, I uh, it, it's yeah, I it, it's better to do, you know, the whole Capcom library where you have Mega Man and and I guess a bunch of other characters you don't put in the game for some reason. <laughs> but um, anyway, or Street Fighter cross Marvel versus Capcom Infinite Arcade Edition 2019 Com. Yeah, something like that. There we go. So anyway, but the whole point of this, though, is there is some history here. Uh, if you do look at Capcom testing stuff that they put in future games, it happens, you know, and, and let's see if it happens again. Um, but getting into the next one here is that I spent 10 hours getting better at Street Fighter V, and I actually did not play the game a single time during that 10 hour span. And, and where I'm going with this is that Street Fighter V is special where I can strategize going into a matchup. And, and think about all the different things that can come to, into play and have that actually impact the results of the matchup a ton. And I, what I did here is I made a spreadsheet with every matchup in the game for Monat. 
Again, it took me 10 hours. I, I was mapping out everything um, because I knew that I was playing some matches outright wrong. Like I was just like, you know, against Guile, for example, I was trying to go in on him and control him like with, you know, spear tosses like from close up. And it's just like he has too much ability to react to that and to do too many things. I almost lost, lost that Capcom Cup actually to a Guile player because I was doing that, for example. Um so uh, I knew that I fundamentally was messing up on stuff. So I went back through match footage. I went back through like so many other things to just kind of study like what was working and what wasn't. And something I really tried to avoid was like shenanigans uh, and like a lot of V-Trigger stuff as well. Um, if you don't understand how to use V-Trigger, like you're probably haven't made it out of bronze. I would be my assumption. Most people understand like with V-Triggers, like pop it and like go crazy and that, you know, win basically. Uh, yes. V-Trigger is not terribly hard to understand how to you know make that work type thing. Um, so a lot of my focus was on the matchup before the, you know, the V triggers came out. Right. Um, and, and actually, so with this, I've been taking it online and, uh, my win percentage has jumped a bunch. I've been playing against a lot of Balrog, Bison, Rashid players. Uh, and then Cody was a personal matchup that like, I struggled with. Um, and my winning percentage has jumped up quite a bit and I'm actually very confident now. I, I you know, mentioned I've been master ranked. Um, I've been like kind of stuck at about 31,000 league points and I've gained about uh, 1500 more just like with barely playing like just a bit. And, um, and it's like, I feel very, very, very confident now that I'm going to jump up to Grandmaster rank. And this is all like this entire, like getting better, getting good, you know, was done outside of the game just by researching match footage and other things. When you sit down and you do the, the bookwork, mm -hmm. we'll call it, and then you trans transfer back over into the game. Where were some of the moments where you noticed like, oh, I'm doing something differently right now than I would have otherwise, and here's why? From the very get-go and a lot of matchups. Unless I felt like, so for example, Karen and Ryu are characters that I feel very comfortable playing against. Like, I think Minot beats Karen, for example. I think she does very well. Um, and oh, yeah. I've never felt pressured in that matchup to the point of like, if I lost, I definitely feel like I got outplayed. Right. Um, Balrog players, I'm not terribly fond of because it feels like against Monat, they just pretty much hold forward and hit buttons and win. Uh, and mm -hmm. that actually also happened to me at Capcom Cup with a reasonably good Balrog player. But it's they don't have to think a lot to just kind of blow her up. And it's like if you don't have a, a good base reaction to that, you just lose. It's really hard to to counter that. You have to play in a very different way than most Monat players are comfortable with in that matchup. It's a bad matchup for you know a lot of things going against her on that. So. From the get-go on those matchups now, I can feel just like a different energy, a different vibe where I'm like, you know what? I kind of know what to do here. Like I, I have an understanding of what he's going to do. And if he does this, I can blow him up for it. Or now I can pressure him. And I know his defense is not very good from this range. And now I can jump in on him and blow him up for that kind of stuff. And it's just like it, there's a confidence in it, but it's also very much a, a knowledge like growth where I know I'm standing in the right spots on screen and ha 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 2d fighters are all about space control right um and you can mess yourself up like gigantically by standing in the wrong spots on screen and uh, that's a big part of the equation is like just adjusting where I'm standing and what space I'm trying to control and I mean I've been playing 2d fighters a long time for a, like since they basically came out right um it's not like that's a new concept to me but how I was applying it in Street Fighter 5 like match to match like has changed dramatically and it has helped me out tremendously you know they say that when you are doing a problem solving something and you're working on like say a puzzle that you can't just get done in in one go when you leave it 
and go do something else, your brain continues to work on it in like a behind the scenes manner. And then you come back and suddenly you have a, just a, a matter of fact kind of intuition about certain parts of it that you just maybe didn't have before. Or you, suddenly the thing that you were sitting on, th like staring at this piece of paper, for instance, for three hours, you come back and you sit and you look at it for three minutes and the, the solution kind of presents itself in your mind. I think that, and I, and I can't quantify this, but just in my experiences, taking a break from playing a specific fighting game or maybe fighting games altogether for a little while and then coming back, it feels like there's a refresh period. Mm -hmm. It feels like, you know, you, you go to sleep and you wake up and your body has, uh, you know, refreshed a lot of its uh, mechanisms and such. And it, that's, uh, there's, there's a parallel there to what happens when you take a break from playing fighting games. And again, I can't necessarily articulate the intricacies of it. I don't know, but I have seen similar results in my own experiences. And this applies to something we're going to talk about later as well. Uh, revisiting old fighting games that you used to play. And, uh, and I think that that's probably part of this too. I know you are actively thinking about it outside of when you, uh, you know, when you were taking your break time, but I think that there's a certain, um, aspect of things that like when you, f when you pull yourself away, when you're not immediately and actively engaged in it, you can take that step back and your body can, your mind can kind of reevaluate and fix some of the little holes that you have. Yes. Uh, fresh eyes is, you know, the saying it's like, you know, fresh eyes see so many things differently and you know, the, um, the the problems you've built up in your head like they tend to go away a little bit when you're able to get some distance from stuff right yeah um, but but let me articulate this a little bit more for our listeners and, and you know they might be saying like okay this is great like you you logged every matchup in the game and like you did this like what does that even mean like so to bring this home a little bit um it was one of the things i looked at is like the cami matchup and and i wanted to stand like just outside of her sweep range like a few steps outside of it um because nothing that she has reaches that far and is safe for her so what happens is cami players actually end up burning quite a bit of life trying to get in on that and so the the, the dynamics of that matchup actually changed dramatically uh if cami or i get v trigger like and again I've, I've already alluded to that so this is mostly again when playing neutral against the character um so uh if I go too far away from her, for example, I give Cami a lot of room to operate. And so she's just able to actually kind of walk up on me. And it's like, it's not a big deal for us. Like her walk speed is incredible. And now all of a sudden I'm in the corner. I, you do not want to be in the corner against Cami. That is a terrible spot to be in. So what I'm doing is I'm finding out that I'm throwing out a bunch of normals and other things. And then I'm watching Cami's air approach for dive kicks and other stuff like that, just to push her back. And a lot of Cami players are used to holding forward on the, the joystick. That's what they've been taught to do, right? Like, get in there and pressure with the character. So what's happening is Cammy is running into a bunch of my normals. And then when she starts hitting the normals, she oftentimes is going to take to the air because that's what they're taught to do next. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, this can quickly turn into watching about five or six things. It's like, okay, well, watch Cammy's like normal. So watch her walk speed. Now watch her, you know, watch her jumps and other stuff like that. And then, uh, we've talked about this numerous times where we've said that if you give the opponent too much to juggle, they're typically going to fall apart. And if you're trying to watch for five or six things at once in the middle of a match, especially in Street Fighter V, you're often giving yourself too much stuff to juggle to even try to do that. So one of my big things is actually making all this stuff like a very succinct like little phrase that I can say to myself, like stand at outside sweep range and and pressure with normals, right? Like mm -hmm. and just repeating that over and over to myself. It doesn't mean like I'm, you know, and, and with that, like it's reminding me to like well, watch the air approach and watch this and watch that. Like I'm not. I'm not giving myself like an overwhelming amount of information to try to juggle. I'm actually compressing down like like 20 things I'm looking for into a very simple phrase that I remind myself of like before every match. 
and and what I actually have that uh, done is like I have it on my phone, and then I look up like the match. Like as soon as it comes up in rank, it's like, oh, I've got a Cami player. Okay, how do I play against Cami? Oh, there's the information right there. It's a single sentence. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm ready. I'm good to go. And again, this is working for me. It's not like this is like I, I felt very confident. Like it, when I just put the stuff down, you know, pen to paper or whatever. Um, in practice, this is working very, very, very well. And again, it's something you see a lot of other pro players do. It's like they check out the notes on their phone, but they're not reading their, their, their phone for like five minutes or something like that. It looks like they have a couple notes and that's it. And they're moving right mm-hmm. along with it. Uh, and, you know, some other players, uh, some pro players that were at Capcom Cup that I was talking to, like they were sitting there watching match footage, like right before a matchup happened, right? Like it is... Uh, and that's the main way I built this list out is by watching match footage and seeing tendencies and seeing things that are happening. It was like, I loved it. Like this, like it, like it stuck, uh, struck such a chord in me that I, I just love having strategies that work outside of the game that I can develop. That isn't just like, re- uh, like my reactions or like entering an option select code or something like that, that I'm depending on. It's like, no, I'm doing hardcore research to figure this stuff out and it's like working and it's working great. That sense of reward, it's great. Yes. It's been so long because I've been playing Street Fighter Five. I haven't, haven't had a sense of reward in a while. Ten points! I did it! There's also, um, on that front, it's interesting that you bring that up because you've been doing it just of your own accord, and I think a lot of people do. Driftwood and I, back in the Street Fighter Four days, we had little phrases, uh, little code phrases um, to help each other when each other were playing. They would just be like one word. Like one of them was croissant. Mm. And if he yelled croissant, that meant something specific. It was either you need to use a certain move uh, or, or there's a certain strategy um, that this move works, but it only works if you're at like a specific range or in a specific situation. So that not only did it mean use that move, but it also meant get into that position because that's where from you know my secondary pair of eyes, I can see that you might be flourishing better. You know, So we'd yell these kind of things out to each other, these little secret catchphrases, and that would help us, that, that would refresh the person that was playing and give them that second very, you know, point of view on the match. And I think that goes right along with what you were saying right yes. there. Now, not everybody has someone that's going to be there all the time, but it was really funny and really cool. And it's like people looking around like, why is he saying croissant? And then all of a sudden I'm blowing someone up with these cool croissant moves. Uh, and, and then we just look at each other and smile. And that that is, though, what you were getting at. Yes. One of the most satisfying things. And when you have something that's satisfying like that and that is helping your game, it's not like you're satisfied because you woke up DP and it worked out because something like that like that's not a habit you want to get into Um, but when you do something that's kind of I guess more you might say honest like this or or um, efficient you when you're when you're excited about it that imprints and then you remember it more uh, just regularly and you don't have to pressure yourself to remind yourself you don't have to take yourself out of the game it becomes part of your go-to subconscious arsenal and you get that much stronger as a player yeah, it's something you mentioned, like, you know, the wake up DP or whatever and stuff like that. That's a that's a read. That's a 50-50 where it's either going to work out or it's not for you. That's not reliable. Like, you're not able to control matchups, like, um, unless you're Punko or something like that. Like, it, it's it's so hard to make your career off of those hard reads. Now, there are people who are, are a bit better at it than some others, but, you know, their percentages are for, for reads are, I mean, you're going to have, you know, the, the Umashuru, like sometimes work out in your favor. Sometimes it's not. I mean, Daigo has gotten pieced out of many tournaments by just DPing like crazy. And, and it just, it happens. Um, if that's the core of your strategy, you're, you're really setting yourself up for um, a, a bad time, right? Like you want to control the areas on screen uh, as best you can. And so when those 50-50s come up, like hopefully you've gotten a good read on your opponent and, and you've got enough life or enough resources where you can take that risk. 
That's like yes. the big key there. Um, and, and this oftentimes goes back to spacing in 2D fighting games. That's really what the, the foundational structure of every 2d fighting game is is how do you control the space around you like what what is your character good at are they you know like a zangief is great at controlling the space up close in front of him he's terrible at pretty much every other spot on screen but that one that is one spot against zangief you do not want to be at um you know and guile is often like a full screen character not always but in street fighter 5 is a little different but um yeah He's a character who generally wants to be away from you so he can chuck his booms, right? So that's the whole, you know, concept of space control. And then with that, you mix in like how much offense or defense should I be playing here? And sometimes it's a mix of it. Like sometimes you're going like, you know, almost like 90%, you know, offense and 10% defense or whatever from certain spots on screen or whatever. And it's, and it's understanding all that kind of stuff and then how that changes when someone pops V trigger or they have super and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds simple at first and then you start getting into all the variables of it and it gets very complex quite quickly. Um, so it, And it requires such a nuanced understanding that you're able to in real time adjust and adapt to continue to play with those variables popping up and, and coming into effect. Exactly. And that's where the croissant comes in. It's it's so easy to lose <laughs> sight of that, but that you have that keyword that reminds you that you can repeat to yourself in an instant and get right back into the same mindset that you need to be at because you know when, when freaking you know Laura pops V trigger, you're like you're, you're going crazy. That's you're like, GGs. oh my god, you know, like you're freaking out. And like I don't care how like hardcore trained of a pro player you are, like you can watch like Daigo, Justin Wong, and a bunch of other players just kind of freak out like the moment like someone you know gets them in a rough spot it's like those those situations are rough for anyone i don't care who you are um but again if you can if you can reset the situation and then get back into your mindset asap you're going to play so much better because you're much more in control of the action that's happening on screen you know we didn't i, I didn't know we were going to have this particular conversation like this uh but it, I, I can't have said what we've said so far and not bring this up because we brought up um, conditioning and Driftwood and we talked about Orlando last mm -hmm. week, right? And uh, and you just talked about Zangief specifically. Okay, so on Friday, Driftwood came with me, uh, which is a rare occurrence, to casuals and I was playing Orlando and again, like a total loser, he was playing his main while the rest of us were playing our, our new characters and the, uh, the neutral, of course, with Zangief is always very tense and scary right. and he's a very patient player. So uh, Driftwood was watching me play and I was playing Honda and he goes, okay, after, after watching about a round, he goes, if he blocks two light headbutts, then you have the green light to dash forward Oicho. Mm -hmm. And a hundred percent of the time it worked every time. Oh, if, if I got, if I got him to block and sometimes I deviated and it didn't work, right. I did like one headbutt or he got hit by the headbutt and like, Oh, that resets the count. He's got to block two in a row. And then that, and like Driftwood has, saw the conditioning in there and he's like, this is how this person acts. And, and he's so much better at this than I am about being aware of these little things with like in the forefront of his mind. Mm -hmm. But he picked up on that and he's like, do two light headbutts if he blocks both of them dash forward orcho and it worked every damn time and it was amazing and it's like kind of what we're talking about here with the particular examples that we brought up that happened to me on friday yeah in, in, uh, poor Orlando, like he's becoming the Rashid. No, of our, Orlando's our a jackass yeah. because he plays no. Right, no, Orlando's great. We're very happy to have him around. I hope he listens to this someday. But also, 
Get wrecked, Orlando. Oh, poor guy. But anyway, um, I will mention that oftentimes your opponent is not even aware that they're doing this, right? Like that. Oh, yeah. It, it's something that they're subconsciously doing because, you know, it's and that's what you blow them up for. It's not like, oh, you know, like, hey, he's blocked this twice. Like, I, I need to, you know, like turtle up even further and stuff like that. They, it is stuff they're usually not even aware of. And I mean, this even at the highest of levels. Um, speaking of Punko and Daigo, um, it's something that actually uh, Punko talked about when he double perfected um, uh Daigo's Yun out of Street Fighter 4, he said, I learned that every single time I did the scenario, like Daigo's going to upkick. And, and he's like, I, and so he died. And he's like, and that's how, that's how Daigo got, got double perfected at Evo at like the top 16 or something like that. I remember that. It was in top eight. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, this is like, this is very real. And it's like, even the best of the best are getting caught up on it. Um, and one thing I can kind of add just on top of this is that if you're ever looking at yourself and saying, you know what, I just have to play perfect. I just, I'm just not playing perfect and I'm <laughs> messing myself up and stuff like that. Well, playing perfect is pretty much impossible. It's, you can kind of do it in some matchups and sometimes like it happens, but it is very rare. And if your goal is perfection, you are so often going to let yourself down. Um, you have to allow room for mistakes because we're humans. So it's a humans playing this game and all that kind of stuff. And you have tendencies and other things that are just problems that you can't comprehend. And, and if you're ever just falling back on like, I just got to play this matchup perfect. I have to, you know, you know, do this and stuff like that. You're probably setting yourself up for failure. Mm hmm. So um, anyway, but yeah, interesting. It's interesting that you guys are, are breaking this apart. And I, I will add just a note on Driftwood is uh, um, he's your big time training partner. And our training partners know so much about our habits and other things. They can identify things way faster than we can sometimes as well. Like just like he did with yes. you know, Orlando and the headbutt type thing. Uh, if you do have a training partner, I always recommend having one if you can, you know, uh, and just kind of keep them leveled up with you. Because uh, the amount of information and stuff that you can unpack from them, uh, some of your shenanigans uh, that they know and know intimately, uh, they will blow you up for and, and just kind of destroy you. And you'll, you'll have to get way better at them and make them not shenanigans basically. Right. Like it, yes. and all you really need is a single training partner that works with you on everything. And that just, they'll know you like the back of their hands. And it is so helpful to have. So absolutely. All right. So next up here, uh, Dogura, uh, we, we did a story about him. This is a story that, that you put together. Um, and he talked about, which game being more fun to watch? And that would, you know, be between Street Fighter 4 and Street Fighter 5. And this was surprising to me at first that that people actually weighed in and said that that Street Fighter 4 is more fun to watch than Street Fighter 5. But once I thought about it a bit, I was like, yeah, I get it. And the main, the crux of this for me actually will go back to like Smash Melee and other things like that. It's like people love what they know. They, they, you know, like Smash uh, Ultimate and Smash 4, like in my opinion, are way better games to watch than Smash Melee. But a lot of people grew up playing Smash Melee and it's been the game that's been around. And so when you look at viewership numbers and all that, that, that is usually the number one game in the entire fighting game community. Um, we know this from looking at our stats on the website and other things like that. Like Street Fighter 4 holds a very special spot in people's hearts. Uh, and, and so once I thought about it a bit, I was not shocked that people picked that as a game that is more fun to watch than Street Fighter 5, which is a game built for esports and, and built to be like crazy and wild and all that. But still, people love SF4. Well, crush counters are cool, but they uh, I think they lose their luster after you see them a handful of times. And uh well, okay, so the way you, you were talking about that just now, I, I suspect that you actually think that it's more fun for you personally. You, you enjoy watching 5 more than 4? I really did enjoy 4 for quite some time, but now that I've gotten into 5, I like it more. 
Um, it, it's just I, I appreciate more the nuance of the game. But again, I like Street Fighter Five more, so that heavily taints my opinion of it. But yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, Dogura briefly spoke about this on his stream, and then FGC translated <laughs> translated. I did it. What he was saying, and he was more asking his stream what they thought, and of course we couldn't see what his stream was saying, but he was responding to them. I um, and and he asked both uh, which one is more fun to watch, and then which one is more fun to play. So then we did this uh, the story, showed that video, and then also put up some, a few polls. And uh, we got a, a little over 500 votes for each each poll. And uh, Street Fighter 4 was 77.7% of the vote was that it was more fun to watch. And then it won with 67.7% of, uh, of the vote that it was more fun to play. Now you're right, there's uh, probably a lot of nostalgia and the whole looking back at old games with rose-colored glasses on while you look at the the current game with you know looking at all its flaws first the, the probably the opposite of rose colored glasses so that is something to take into account but if i were to break this down and look at it with you know more objectively trying to get nostalgia and such out of here and just look at well like what is fun about watching this game versus what's fun about this game and where are the hang ups over here versus the hang ups over there you know 5 is built to to look good and i think like for instance, the stages and the music and, and well, not all of the character designs, but a lot of the right. character designs are, are pretty cool. The little touches, you know, the, the stage transitions, that all adds into it. But I think what people are really answering more is the what's more fun to watch in terms of the competition, in terms of whose skill is being showcased. And I think that for all its flaws, Street Fighter Four still does that more efficiently than Five. Uh, that's well documented. You, you know that that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that's probably more where this is coming from. Although, again, like we'll talk about later, I uh, revisited 4 recently, and there's some dumb stuff yep. in 4. When you have played Street Fighter V, especially if there's a character that's in both games, like Honda is now, and you go back and you play 4, and you see some of the things that they're capable of, you go, what the heck is this? Why is this heavy move that hits low that goes really far, six frames and safe, you know, <laughs> things like that. Although, you know, it's a relative kind of a thing. If there are a lot of characters that are capable of that kind of stuff, well, then it's suddenly not as egregious as it would be if this move were in Street Fighter V, um, things like that. But I do think that 4 was more of a showcasing of... Um, of skill than than five is yeah i i personally don't agree with that like i, I feel like uh, sf5 is more of a showcasing of skill i think more sf4 is more of a showcasing of dexterity and like how good you could do option selects and different things like that and how safe you could play like this game i think is is much more of like how damn good at at fundamentals are you in fighting games uh versus how good are you at execution and I think execution carried a lot of players in SF4, and it's like they they got lazy and they you know used it as a crutch and all that. But my my opinions aside here, um, Dogra himself said he's actually 50-50 on watching either game, but he actually mm -hmm. prefers to play Street Fighter Five. And Dogra mm -hmm. is like a multi-game master. Like this guy is like he's like the the um, how you know Tokido used to be in the old school. Like he is now. Like may, but maybe even better because uh, the simple fact that I I personally feel it's much harder to dominate and perform well in multiple games than it has ever been before because of the amount of uh, talent, technology, other stuff, entrance and tournaments, it's harder to do 
So Dogra is probably the biggest multi-game talent right now uh, in the fighting game community. Off the top of my head, you know, I'm sure people might say like Sonic Fox or whatever, but Dogra does it like in a bunch of games. Um, so, mm-hmm. but the video did not elaborate on why he fills Street Fighter Five is like the game he prefers to play. Uh, unfortunately, um, so we did not get that answer. But and, and I think that's going to be pretty much like the mixed result you get for a lot of players. Um, but to back up your point of what you said about Street Fighter Four. Hands down, Street Fighter 4 on our website is like way more popular than Street Fighter 5 ever was. And it's not even close. It's probably like a like three to one margin or something like that of like how much more popular it was. Um, and I mean, we monitor like all of our, you know, metrics and stats and all that kind of stuff to see what people are interested in, how much they're looking at it. And, and, and it's just like, it's so night and day different. And so in terms of like what the community at large feels like, it's very much backed up in that poll that you mentioned. Like, you know, what was it? Like 80%, like 70%, like, approximately right um Mm -hmm. it's just capcom lost a lot of people when they migrated from street fighter 4 to street fighter 5 the game has not been that well received it's just too many problems with the game from the launch point and like even where it's at now i think they're starting to recapture some of that we're seeing that right now you know we're seeing some people who have been gone you know start to come back and then some people who you know, it's it's freaking 10 years ago, like, you know, Street Fighter 4 uh, came out, right? Like, I mean, you're always going to lose people in that process. You know, people get jobs and other things. They, you know, grow older. They, they've got to do other things. Um, when you have a game that is decidedly less popular, like, the poll results and other stuff like that are just going to go against you. And, and I think that, you know, we can argue, you know, tit for tat on, like, what game has better mechanics and gameplay and all that kind of stuff. It's a fair argument. But I think, like, what overrides everything, in my opinion, and what trumps everything is that people just love Street Fighter Four a lot more than Street Fighter Five. Yeah, there are a lot of different variables that go into that. The fact that Five was released as, like, three-fifths of a game and the first impressions that come, you know, with that... Uh, you're, you know, it's been fighting um, from like within the hole for like almost all of its life, you know, and, and there have been from in the game and from without the game. Uh, it goes back to the idea that it just does not have that charisma. Yeah. Um, and and again, I, like I like I said before, there are plenty of problems with four with the balance and such, but it just feels like uh, the dis- the decisions in four, like the deciding factors. I feel like you have to hit the other player more times. And even though there might be some crazy, like broken stuff that's like, yeah, this move is overpowered, it doesn't always lead to like, well, it's overpowered and it goes into V trigger and it's safe and it's a crush counter combo into a reset into stun and then you're dead and it's all based on that. Um, and that's a conversation we've had a million times. And like you said, we don't need to get into particulars of four versus five. I don't think that's that's a, that's ten more podcasts worth of discussion. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it, it is good to kind of take inventory of like where the people stand and and maybe ask why why they are mm-hmm. where they are right now. And so that's what I'm kind of taking away from this more so than like to reopen up the discussion about what's better and why and all that stuff. I'm like, no, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to do that again, man. Listen to old episodes and read old articles if you want to know that. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, well, you did actually have a special moment though playing Street Fighter Four. Like, oh yeah, and, and this happened. So like, let's get into it. I'm I'm like super excited to hear like what happened here. Oh, and I'm super excited to tell you about it, but only after these messages from Joe Monday from our Street Fighter to tell you about RSF Radio. Joe Monday here from our Street Fighter to tell you about RSF Radio. It's a podcast where I bring on some of the most influential people in the FGC that you might not know about. See, there's a lot of people that are kind of behind the scenes, greasing the wheels, making things work that you might not know about. 
and I bring those people front and center to talk about what's been going on in the FGC on the day-to-day. Anyway, folks, if you want to find RSF Radio, search r slash sf radio in whatever browser, I suppose, or bit.ly slash rsf radio. Be sure to tune in wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, also on Friday, we were playing five for a good little while, and then somebody booted up four, and someone, it was like kids that were playing in the sandlot, and someone yelled that, you know, like, so-and-so's mom's out of the house, we can party there, and everyone just flocked over to play Street Fighter Four, and we had ourselves a gay old time, it was great, and... Uh, I found myself, at first I played some Evil Ryu, and then I was playing Honda because I was like, oh, I was playing Honda in 5, and I want to you know, go to the, the transition and, and see what's up there. And by the way, Honda's standing roundhouse in, in Street Fighter 4 is ridiculously good, but it's not even broken because of the way Street Fighter 4 tends to work, and that's its own conversation. Anyways, then I got to Goken because people were like, play your Goken. I'm like, eh, fine, whatever. So we started playing Goken, and uh, and I ended up doing a first to five uh, Bison Bucks match against Driftwood for good old time's sake in his, in his pesky Fei Long. And um, while we were playing, I expected to be dropping some stuff, and I did. I dropped some like routine combos, especially early on. But as the game progressed, I found myself... L- let, me, let me back this up a little bit. I played... Goken and I played Street Fighter 4 for like what nine years eight years in a row and it was like every single day right and 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 I played it you know in casuals I played it at you know Evo against you know big players and everything in between so like I explored the crap out of this game and out of this character and how to you know I I figured like there's no stone left unturned well having gone away from it for so long and then focused on Street Fighter 5 and explored um, fighting games through the lens of Street Fighter V kind of positioned myself uh, to to look at it with this different type of vision. Going back into four, I saw things that were just never apparent to me before. And I was doing combos that I had never done before, but just suddenly made sense. And in the moment, I still had the the ability to to pull these off like it like i happened to neutral jump and it put me in the, you know this space and i could come down with a medium punch which is something i would never do before but street fighter 5 has taught me to use more of my buttons and i did that into some weird fadc combo that i never would have done before i would have had this go-to like hit into sweep or something like that that i would have done before but i found myself on the fly just matter of fact doing new things at one point i had done a forward jump and missed the you know they they went under me or something along those lines but i had completely missed my target and they were now on the other side and for whatever reason it never occurred to me before to do this but now I, it was just like matter of fact totally made sense to use goken's air ex tatsu which you can control uh, which direction you want him to move for like the second and a half that it's active to go backwards and chase them because they, I think it was a Zangief so it was a taller character and you know, you know even though I had jumped and passed them just come right back at them and and it was just this, it made total sense but for whatever reason had never thought to to use it like that before I had all new vision I just I, I want to jump in and say that that's one of the things I love about Street Fighter Five over Street Fighter Four is the the freedom of expression in Street Fighter Five. And one, you know, they designed it with hey, every button has a purpose. We feel that like every move is supposed to have a purpose. And so, um, but with that, that comes a lot of freedom to kind of play the game how you want to because everything in Street Fighter Four you you try to do should have been safe. Like you would 
every now and again take a risk, but for the most part, you wanted to minimize every risk that you could. And so that taught us to play in Street Fighter V with a lot more freedom and a lot more creativity. Go ahead and you know spread your wings a little bit and try some new stuff because it might work for you. Well, I think it's more of the lines of it. you have to do something new because if you keep pressing medium punch when you're being frame trapped here, it's never, never, never going to work. Like, really not going to work for you. So you have to explore the other buttons. And uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that there's more freedom of expression in 5. I think that the opposite is actually true there. But I think that the developers made it a point to make sure that all of the buttons had a specific purpose. Um, and like there were moves in Street Fighter 4 where you would never see them come out because they just weren't very efficient or weren't very good and there were better options. And so that was a um, that was like an initiative I think that the developers took so that you would use more of a wealth of different moves and buttons for different situations. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was a really cool experience because it, it, it was that feeling of, did I do that? Because that wasn't me. I wasn't thinking about doing that, but somehow got it to work. And not only was it in like combos and whatnot, but just my vision of, of like, okay, I'm in this situation. I have my opponent cornered and I have a mechanic in Street Fighter 4 that's not in Street Fighter 5 in the FADC, right? The mm -hmm. focus attack dash cancel. For, for those that aren't aware, you could spend two bars of your meter and then do a, do a special move or I guess even a regular move and then use those two bars to cancel the, uh, the animation of it and dash forward. And I had at one point I had Driftwood in the corner and he was hopping over fireballs as I was chucking them at him. And I had the, the realization that like, oh, he keeps neutral jumping here, which is a good answer because it makes me have to, you know, it, it hurts the fireball zoning game when you do that. So I was like, well, you know what I can do is throw a, get to a certain range, throw a straight fireball and FADC forward. And when he neutral jumps, I'm going to ultra him. And, and I, like, that's something that in that particular situation, I'd thought of that idea before, but in that particular situation, it popped up in my head and it's a hundred percent because of the way Street Fighter V makes me think about the fight. Yeah. And, um, so I highly suggest that you explore other, other characters and other games. And that's advice that's been echoed by many top players over the years. It's really good advice. It's you want to expand your minds because you get stuck in ruts uh, in your minds because apparently you have multiple of them. But you want to expand <laughs> your mind and, and, and really get out there. It's, it helps a ton. Yeah. Um, but you did mention now some dumb stuff that you found in Street Fighter 4. Like, do tell. Like, that, that's, that's a juicy bit. So let's, let's hear it. Oh, well, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was uh, like Honda's Roundhouse, mm -hmm. which... Like in Street, it's the same kind of move in Street Fighter 4 and in Street Fighter 5, but in 5, it's like minus 7 on hit, and it does crush counter, but it's got a lot more startup. In 4, it's like a pistol like that just zip, comes out and just like, <laughs> like, it's like a gun, and it zips right out there, and it's a heavy move, and, but I mean, it's not a crush counter, and, but it's, it's amazing for space control, and I was like, if this move were in Street Fighter Five, it'd be super broken, which it would be in Five. In in Four, it's a lot more digestible. And even though Honda has that move and a, and a handful of other really cool things, no pun intended, uh, he still isn't one of the best characters, not by a long shot, right? And so um, that it was just interesting. But a lot of that does also have to do with the particular game atmosphere that you're playing in. And and some of that was well, if this were in Five, it would be ridiculous. But in Four, it's not as crazy because it's just the way Four works. Right. 
Dream King and I used to play something called randoms and we would go in there and basically random select characters and just try to do the dumbest stuff on each other that we possibly could like you know selecting reuse uh, ultra 2 which is like his um, super shuriken or whatever it's called that's the only one that we we usually end our sets with a Ryu mirror and it's ultra 2 and it's not really about who wins it's who lands the ultra that turns the sound off (laughs) exactly exactly it's it's great And, and I mean but we would again we're trying to do the dumbest stuff possible and we saw some of the interactions and the way that the hit and hurt boxes would work and just kind of all this crazy stuff and it was like damn this game is like half broken i, I swear like the stuff does not work how it should be and all this kind of stuff in, in street fighter 4 and it's just like some of the the things you could get away with and like with Adon just hitting like jabs all day long and all that kind of stuff and just easy confirms into dp and it's just ugh, like the the game like I get why Street Fighter Five or Four was as beloved as it is, and it's still it's a good game. Like I don't have huge issues with it, right? But my point here is, uh, as you're mentioning the dumb stuff, like all fighting games have dumb stuff. And if you're thinking that you know Street Fighter Five or the latest game Tekken Seven or something like that just is the one that's dumb, it's like no, your your memory is not holding, you know, not doing you justice right there. Every game has dumb stuff, and it's just how much have you adapted to that? And there is a level of like, it doesn't have a lot more dumb or less and stuff like that. You know, Marvel comes to mind. Marvel has just like crazy broken stuff all up and down, but that's part of the game. That's the expectation there. Um, but anyway, I, yeah. I just want to. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and I was thinking about that specifically because you're right. There's dumb stuff. There's more dumb stuff in a lot of the older games. Yep. Take Street Fighter Three, uh, Third Strike specifically. It's regarded by many as the best fighting game as far as competitive uh, uh, fighting games go. And then you just go, well, okay, let's think about Yun and his Ganesian for a second, uh-huh. which is a super that one like you're constantly building meter just in your go-to game as Yun because he's just pecking away at you constantly and building up that meter. Um, then he activates Ganesian and it becomes Yun on steroids and it's like constant mix-ups that, that are basically 50-50s that you're kind of guessing to, to, you know, like counter or, or I'm sorry, parry. And But most of the time he's going to pick you up. He's just at extreme advantage when he's, you know, up in your face with Ganesian. And if you get tagged, well, then he's comboing you for forever into the corner and it's a it's a decent amount of life and it is something that's overpowered but that said it even when you get hit with it yun can realistically end up getting to like three different ganesian interactions per round which in and of itself does suck right because you're like oh my gosh this should be something that you only get like once at most and it should still be toned down from there but for for as powerful as it was it didn't seem to um, like if you got caught by one of them, it wasn't the end. You got comboed, you got put in a, <laughs> not the greatest of situations, but as bad as that was, it still isn't as bad as when a random something or other catches you in, in five and that clicks over into the V trigger sequence, it clicks over into the 50, 50 and clicks over into your dead. You're, uh, you're, I will take issue with that. I, it's not over. If you hit you with that, if you were playing Chun-Li. Every other well, character. I was playing Ken, man. <laughs> Ken, Ken works too. He's like a top five character. There, There's like, that's a huge problem about Third Strike is like there's a bunch of characters who can, you know, well, there's a handful of characters who can counter that and there's a handful and that's it. You play someone like Alex or 12 or freaking Sean of all things and like you get hit with one of those and it's like it's it's pretty much over like the moment you put, you know, your, your cursor over that character to select them and whatnot. The, the balance in Third Strike is terrible it is a horribly balanced game maybe the worst balanced street fighter game um i don't know if ever but definitely one of the the worst ones uh of all time 
Sure. And so it kind of it, it, it devolves into, well, here are the tournament viable characters and that's it. Um, and, and that's not as big of an issue with Street Fighter V. There certainly are characters that are not good enough to win tournaments just looking at the numbers. But I think there are more characters. There's more of a variety at the top. And that's a good thing. And it's a bad thing for, for three. But leaving those interactions is where I'm focused right now. And, and the feelings that I would have afterwards. And, and also, I, I'm playing Ken, which, who is a good character a top five for sure but i am no third strike player and this is against people that like know what they're doing so uh, i'm not playing efficient ken i'm playing like oh i like to do low forwards a lot ken and that's it um so but walking away from the interactions in four where fei long like scores his opening and takes you to the corner with a single reka you know situation um and and it has like a, the fact that fei long can crouch tech and and he gets the beginning of a combo that will go into his reka combo if it if it works out and if not hey he's teched your 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 throw um that's pretty ridiculous and yet when you get hit with those things it doesn't feel like they're hitting you so hard that it that everything else is for naught you still have a chance to get up and 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 try to bring things back and at the end of the day the the when you finish a round in either third strike or street fighter 4 most of the time you're like that was fun oh my gosh that was so cool it was close you know win or lose and and you get you get there's some salt in these games for sure yeah. but so much more consistently than the absolute feeling of frustration and life is garbage as i know it from when i finished playing street fighter 5 and that goes with honda too i had, yeah. I had a moment no, with honda I, the other day too so it's not yeah, just a nakali thing <laughs> it's also there's a separation of a game being fun versus competitive and you know that when you're playing a competitive game and i mean you went into a character like against a buki in street fighter 4 and she got one knockdown and she vortexed you to death and you're dead and you know she option select every like escape you could have and it's like that was very frustrating back in the day we had plenty of characters that that pissed us off but i will say that street fighter 5 does hold a special spot with the salt and the other stuff like because the the game's design is very volatile and we, we've been over that before and mm-hmm. it, it can be that can lead to a lot of frustration and i do think that it is a flaw with the game it's a strength but it's also a flaw where um if you like volatile games i think you like street fighter 5 if you don't it's that's very upsetting yeah, and those vortexes, those absolutely fall into the same category of like the BS that Street Fighter Five was because when there and there were especially earlier on in the earlier versions, like if Akuma knocked Abel down, it was GG's. Like yeah. he could technically, if he played it perfectly right and he did all the option selects right, Abel was just done. Like there, he was just it was just a matter of how many times it took him, you know, to how long the damage took to get him. But that was it. So that was BS too. Yeah, speaking of Street Fighter V making people mad, Justin Wong said, I don't know why I bother playing online in Street Fighter V. It makes me so mad. And you actually did this story here uh, and you you spoke to a few people and they mentioned that, you know, they feel like the net code is worse now, kind of like post Evo patch. Like, what are you seeing? So, yes, the net code for Street Fighter five has been something that people have complained about. I don't think anyone's really gone out of the way to be. I, I don't I haven't seen many comments that go, man, I'm really happy about the net code in five. You and I have both had very positive experiences with it for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly to me much better than Street Fighter four. 
for, and, uh, and I'll stand by that for sure. It doesn't, it's not perfect all the time. And fighting games, it's, Majin Ten Shinhan and I had a conversation about how it's like, like fighting games just aren't conducive to online play because you need such precision and, and zero lag where a lot of other genres don't require that. So it's an uphill battle to begin with when you're playing any fighting game online. But all that aside, uh, so Street Fighter V's netcode has never really been, you know, one of its high points. But the current discussion is that, well, maybe Street Fighter V's netcode has become worse since the Evo patch that introduced the three new characters and such. And so uh, this, people complain about the netcode all the time. And like I said, I don't think there's a ton of issue with it. And I haven't had that in my experiences. So I kind of turn mostly a deaf ear when I see those kinds of things. But I was playing um, maybe a week ago, maybe not quite, and I ran into Vicious online and um, ended up beating him because uh, he didn't have anti-airs. And he sends a text message to me and it was something along the lines of, why do I play this game online? It's so stupid. I hate it. I was like, well, you play it because you need to know it because you're a commentator and because you need to, and he's like, yeah, but I don't need to play it online. I feel, you know, and it was, it was specifically online that was the problem. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And then um, I played with Dream King and and he I don't know that if it was while I was playing with him or he had just been playing himself and he sent me a similar message of like dude this sucks I hate playing online sometimes and it's like yeah we've all been there makes you feel so good <laughs> and so this started to come on my radar it's like well online but these are these are sources that it's not just someone on Twitter uh, it, you know it's people that that you know, have a have a real respectable opinion about this kind of a thing that I, you know I know where they're coming from. And uh, and then Justin Wong pops up with this statement uh, saying that, you know, like this, I don't know why I play online. It's so trash. Back to the training room. And his complaint wasn't to say that he feels like it's particularly worse after Evo, but just that, uh, you know, you, you get matched up with people in the DR, um, Dominican Republic, or people are playing on Skies of Barf, which is a stage that, you know, and, and not in training mode. And that doesn't help anything because there's more for the game to load and it potentially slows things down more. Um, and then uh, a handful of other players like that that are very high ranked online. It's like Warlord and um, Ultra or Ultimate Grandmaster. Um, I think it was Kusanagi, who is a Mexican Sakura player, if my memory serves correctly. And uh, Mike Too Strong, who's a Warlord. Uh, they both were like, it feels worse than it was when uh, after the patch i'm feeling like even the five bar matches have more lag um and and stuff is is just it's a much worse experience online uh and then in our local communities i turn on uh, i go to our facebook group and this is not me putting this forward i'm just looking around and so and so one of our one of our top players is like i keep getting these terrible matches and so it's like wow this really might be a thing and so after seeing all this I go and play another online session at some point, and sure enough, I get four zero 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 two or whatever the dreaded ba bump um, in a match, and and that sucked. Outside of that, hasn't been too too bad for me. But that's the general discussion right now: is that maybe Street Fighter Five uh, has seen a decrease in netcode efficiency since this recent Evo patch. Um, sure enough, when we posted the story about it, the comment section exploded into people just you know crapping all over Street Fighter Five's netcode code saying yes i've noticed it's worse a few said no i haven't noticed anything but the majority have gone and said that yeah it's, it's a lot worse of an experience so maybe that's something that's uh, going on right now there's also well maybe there's more people playing the game because these new characters and that's bogging servers down i don't know yeah i, I would say that um 
a lot of times like our internet connection quality is always going to fluctuate and you know quality of and sometimes it's completely out of your control and it's just like that's the internet like it's an extra busy day you know or you ran across someone you like you normally play and their side of the internet was having you know a big issue uh and it was again like i said nothing on your control um and we ran a story a ways back i think it was like maybe right before or right after the arcade edition patch where people were saying like, Hey, the input leg is, you know, worse or like moves feel more, you know, leggy. And it was like Alex Valle and a bunch of other notable people. Um, and it was just, again, it was the, the placebo effect of frame data and recovery being changed in game. I think it was the arcade edition patch that, that added quite a bit more recovery on moves so you could whiff punish them more. Um, and, and again, just people were so used to playing this game that anything being off even slightly, like we feel it. And then like, we're not always sure what to attribute that cause to. Right. Um, I've been playing online a decent bit since the Evo patch, um, and I I feel like it, there's there's a chance it could be worse, but overall it feels much the same to me. Uh, I'm an online warrior. That's where I play. You know, it's where I like to play and all that kind of stuff. So I I'm definitely not ruling it out entirely. When you're changing a bunch of things around, there's a possibility you can mess with something. But my thought would be if Capcom does address this, they're probably going to say, yeah, we we didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. So, so moving along here, we also um, next up we had Justin Wong uh, again uh, comparing uh, Daigo's Moment Thirty Seven um, to like how you know Street Fighter Five like plays and stuff like that. I think Justin said something the equivalent of like Daigo played Street Fighter Five against me like back in like Street Fighter Three. Uh, like you did the story here. Like what did you see? Yeah, so he was watching over the entire Evo Moment 37 match, and he was commentating on it, kind of talking about, well, this is what I was thinking about here, and here's why Daigo was doing this at this point, and this was really smart, and you know, here's where so and so slipped up, and then of course, here's where Moment 37 happened, or yeah, Moment 37 happened, and I was thinking, oh, there's no way he's going to be able to parry this, but then he did, and uh, and then he points out that as cool as being ready to parry and then parrying the 14 kicks. Uh, were the fact that Daigo jumps up and then parries that last kick in the air was what particularly impressed Justin because that's what let him uh, do the full jump in combo afterwards that was going to kill him because even when he was getting parried Justin said well what I was thinking was okay this sucks but even if he gets all of this I'm still not dead because he had a considerable amount of life left he's like I'll take you know a a move into super but it's not going to be the end well no because Daigo jumps and parries that last uh, that last hit which is just the little cherry on top right yeah. and there was another point where uh, Daigo like whiff punished with a buffer his super uh, and and some other cool things that happen of course all of the attention always goes to moment 37 and rightfully so but it's nice to see the full match fleshed out and of course to have commentary by one of the people that was actually in it um, was really cool but one of the things that Justin kept going back to was that Daigo was taking a ton of risks he was doing a lot of his well like you said before Ume Shoryu's and reads and a lot of them weren't working out for him now, he did end up winning this, the set 2-0, uh, but I think it was a total of six rounds that Evo Moment 37 set had. Uh, but but Justin was like, Daigo's playing like it's Street Fighter V. He's playing not with safe, reserved whiff punishes. I mean, he was doing that, but he was also like the, the way he was just jumping out of the corner, things along those lines where he could have really gotten blown up, but he was just just going for it and just felt like he had the read and he kept saying like Daigo has uh what is it he, he can see the future and he was playing Street Fighter 5 before all of us even knew what it was 15 years mm-hmm. early um and so that was just interesting one because it's Justin Wong commentating Evo Moment 37 but the fact that he compared Daigo's play in that which is the most iconic fighting game moment in history thus far with the game that's revered as the most competitively uh valid shall we say and then he compares the play in that match to 
Uh, and, and of course, Moment 37 itself was not a Street Fighter V kind of thing. It was a very um, researched and execution-heavy thing. But the rest of the play was, was to be compared to Street Fighter V to a lot of us are like, how could you ever compare Street Fighter 3 to Street Fighter 5 and say that you're playing 3 like you're playing 5 and having efficiency and it's Daigo you're talking about? It just felt like kind of a weird, you know, revelation to have. But I thought it was interesting and so I thought I'd tell you guys about it. Yeah, Justin is known as like... Uh Seth Killian says it in the commentary thing and like rare footage of Daigo actually angry because of how turtleicious like Justin is right yeah. I made up a word but whatever um it's just there there's straight up frustration from having to play against like Justin like he could take it to a whole different level and I, I just remember people talking about this like back in the day like there's turtle style and then there's Justin Wong and this this guy will just piss you off like you would not believe and he gets that one opening and he does Chun-Li's OP you know low forward into uh, super which does like 50% health 40% health whatever it is and corners you yeah oh just stupid stuff and but I mean again that fits his style to a T it fits like exactly what he wanted to do it's why he played Chun-Li in that game and it's just but yeah and and so I look at this stuff and and Combo Fiend was a huge influence on Street Fighter V, gigantic influence. And his notorious style was, I'm going to hold forward on the joystick and one of us is going to die in the next 20 seconds. It's, <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to be you, but I'm going to hold forward. And that's kind of what Street Fighter V is. It's like, you know, let's dial up the offense to a very high degree. Um, Street Fighter Four and Street Fighter Three were very defensive heavy games, very neutral based Um I would personally argue that that Street Fighter 4 had quite a bit more defense than it did offense. I would say like around 65, 35 or something like that because how much like the play was safe, right? Especially mm-hmm. compared to like, you know, like a, a Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo or something like that. Like I, um, but again, you know, we, we've talked about it before where Street Fighter 5 has the offensive dial just too far up. And it's just like offense is just so dominant in this game. You can't even play defense. Like to, it's just, it's sick. Um, so anyway, I, I my whole point of this is I see where Justin was going with it. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's nice to have contrasting styles and, and see things you may not have seen before on the first impression at first glance and maybe see why some of the decisions have been made, you know, with, with, with fighting games that you may have not always appreciated, but like, this is what Capcom saw as well. And this is why they did it. Like they saw stuff like this and they wanted to adjust it. And, you know, you might think, Hey, you know, Capcom doesn't watch like footage that closely. Well, uh, the designers of like ultimate Marvel were sitting there talking like with Seth Killian about like Spencer's overhead in Marvel three, for example, it's something he cited and they're like, is that too powerful? Like it, it's, Spencer like just way too good because like uh, of all things watching combo fiend footage like back before he was at Capcom he was playing Spencer and doing crazy overheads and blowing people up with it and it's they're watching this stuff they're studying it they're trying to get better at it too and so it's it's fascinating to me to watch the whole process because it's not like uh it's not an exact science there's so much that goes into these games and it's like once you've kind of picked your path with a game and you've gotten it that far out there it's very rare for you know any company to turn back around and like completely reinvent the wheel with that title it's like it kind of is what it is at that point and they leave it in the hands of the players to really express their their uh, creativity and thought process of how it should go yeah moving right along here next up there was a tie on the cpt asia leaderboards and there are no rules actually for how to break it like this is something you've been studying here like what are you seeing for our listeners Yeah, uh, so the final CPT Asia regional point awarding event happened. uh, I believe it was over the weekend, and that was an online event. And uh, Nemo actually ended up winning that, so good on Nemo, because we haven't seen him uh, doing as much damage as he has traditionally done in in some recent months. But he 
he rocked it and he he won. Uh, that's not really the story though. The story is on the Asia regional leaderboards. Now that all of the points that are going to be dispersed have been dispersed, we have a tie between eighth and ninth place, or well, for eighth place. Um, and that is between Fudo and uh, a player named Travis Styles from Australia. They both have 200 points. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a top eight kind of a thing for when they actually play the regional finals for each region. And so right now we're sitting here, we're going to have technically we have nine players um, who are uh, qualified to play in this, but there's only eight spots. And if you go through the CPT rules, there is nothing that talks about, at least from what I found and from what uh, Ace King Offsuit found, and you know, he, he, he does some good research, man, uh, that tell us how this is going to be figured out. We actually were talking about it on Best of Five, having some creative ways of how they should uh, <laughs> hash this out beyond just playing some rock, paper, scissors. But we've reached out to Capcom and, and haven't received any response, so we don't know exactly how they're going to go about this tiebreaker. I'd assume maybe the two players play in a first of five or something like that. I don't know, but even then you'd have to fly both of them out to be in the same place. And so it's an interesting kind of situation. This kind of thing is gonna pop up, although usually you'd have, even in like a, an emerging entity like the Pro Tour, which has had a handful of years now and, and has shown that they've been able to make progress when there have been issues. Um, something like this seems kind of like a pretty bad oversight. It's like, well, what happens if there's a tie? There's there's stuff for ties in a lot of other situations, but not here on the a, in the regional leaderboard. So that's the current situation, and I'm sure that Capcom will at some point come forward and, and let us know how they're going to break said tie. But for now, we don't know between Fudo or Travis Styles who's going to actually make it into that final top eight bracket. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, these situations happen and it. Like I, I just go back right to pl uh, pro sports and you'll see an unusual situation happen like one year. And then usually they get together, uh, in the off season and they say, Hey, this is how we're going to fix it. So mm -hmm. I don't know, again, if it's going to be a coin toss, like, you know, rock, paper, scissors, what they're going to do there. Uh, it should be interesting to see. Uh, it sucks, but this is, you know, the normal growing pains that you have when you run any kind of new division and, uh, and there it is. Yeah. All right. Lastly, we have, uh, and how I'm going to pronounce his name is uh, Zykes. That's how I've always seen it. Um, but he is known as the biggest supporter of Street Fighter V on the planet, I think would probably <laughs> be a great way of turning, uh, terming him. But he is a very popular YouTuber. Um, I think he has like 1.3 or 1.5 million subscribers or something like that on there. Uh, he does some, you know, original animation, music video type stuff. Um, it, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, but he may be getting... Uh, his place, like he was next in line at the Street Fighter League, and he may not be getting that. Yes, the Street Fighter League Season 2 is, uh, well, I think it's underway. Now, we haven't heard anything official from Capcom on this front, so this is all just spitballing and observing and trying to read some tea leaves and put some clues together. But again, none of this is official. Okay, so having said that, uh, the Street Fighter League was established, and the last way that you could get in was, of course, with that infamous voting, um, you know, to, to be voted in by your community, and everyone did their campaigns, and then, of course, the in the last hour, the uh, the voting went down, and Zykes, also known as um, Amize, on his YouTube channel, uh, had this had one last YouTube video he was going to post up, and that was probably going to push him into the top echelon um, and and make him part of this uh, uh, 
community voted portion of players that get onto Street Fighter League. Um, but he did not make it because the uh, things cut off an hour early and it was very sad, but it's like, what are you going to do? And it didn't seem like that was all Capcom's fault. It sounded like it might have been more on the side of Smash GG, which was the website platform running this um, this portion of the, uh, the, the voting. Um, anyways, one of the players that did get in via voting, via voting was uh, Leia Guilty Hayes. And of course, she has been... Uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of ostracized from the community after um, sexual assault. Uh, well, she admitted that she she participated in some of these um, interactions uh, at Capcom events, and so Capcom has issued a ban. She, uh, just to be uh, clear here, um, she did not necessarily admit to sexual assault, but she admitted to crossing some boundaries. Uh, that's sure. uh, a, a definitely an important designation to make when it comes to legal stuff. Yeah, and then um, and then others came. Capcom released a statement saying that others came forward. You know, they didn't give the specifics, but saying that yeah, she was she was an aggressor in this situation, and they have issued a ban on her. So and, and of course they're not going to have her be in Street Fighter League either. So that opens up a new spot for the uh, community voted players. And so even though Sykes didn't get in, um, he was on the bubble he was the next in line. And so now with Guilty not going to be participating, you think, well, then the next person in line should go to it. Now, Capcom hasn't said anything on this matter. They haven't announced who's going to come in and fill Guilty's shoes in this uh, event. But the person behind Sykes was none other than Arturo Sanchez, uh, Sabin. And he was, of course, I, I, you know, one removed. So he's now should be on the bubble, we would think. But on Twitter... We look and we see that um, Arturo is headed somewhere on a plane. This was back on August 17th, so four days ago. And he has just dyed his hair and he's going somewhere on a plane. (laughs) And we're like, what's going on here? And um, the next day, we also see Automatic, who is one of the players that was voted in. And uh, was it Tommy Two-Step or uh, Tommy another one of those players and they post a picture on automatics twitter where they're in some kind of a studio together and they don't they say no context necessary but uh, we're thinking well this is probably where street fighter league is being taped and even though capcom hasn't said it's taped all at once and then they show it bit by bit that's what we're guessing that that's how this plays out anyways um going back to this arturo post Justin Wong followed up. Man, he's really popular today on our podcast. Yeah, but he, he followed up and he's like, damn, where are you going? And Sabin just responded with an Illuminati eye. So the thought is, well, he's probably headed to record for Street Fighter League, dyed his hair because, hey, you're going to be on TV or you know, be on the big stream there. And it looks as though, for whatever reason, Capcom circumvented uh, Sykes and went to Arturo. Uh, and then we've also heard that, uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear it firsthand, but I've also been hearing that people have asked Sykes if Capcom reached out to him, and he has said, no, there's been no interaction there. So what it's looking like is they skipped over the person that was next in line and gave it to Art. Love Art, and, um, and, and that's really cool for him, but from what we can see here, this looks kind of like an injustice. So... 
Yeah, I'm I'm reserving judgment on this one. Uh, it's a bad look, but I'll just say that you know flat out, it's like why didn't um, Zykes get this you know spot? Like it, it that makes the most sense to me, um, mm-hmm. and I would assume like you know that's what they would do. Uh, and I'll wait for Capcom to put another statement out about this, but like kind of like two black eyes on this one. If you know because like the voting went down, the early voting already, yep. <laughs> yeah, and then and then now this, and it's like that's that could be bad, but you know maybe there's a, the, a good plausible explanation. I do expect Capcom USA are you know they're esports division to reach out at some point and make a statement um but right now it's a bad look yeah you have to say something and again yes i i I like that i am also reserving full judgment i'm telling you guys what it looks like but until we know i'm not you know no pitchforks and no torches yet so we'll see we'll give them the chance and and maybe there's a completely reasonable explanation and it is indeed arturo that's in and and it makes sense because you know sykes couldn't do it or something like that who knows uh I'm definitely scratching the beard right now. Got the cockeye out, kind of looking at you sideways. What's going on, Capcom? Because this doesn't really smell right. Yeah, and Arturo is very deserving, as you mentioned as well. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. I mean, it's Arturo's like he's definitely paid his dues in the fighting game community. But from everything we saw, he was you know next in line, right? Like, and so maybe some extra votes that like you know weren't counted or whatever like went through like. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what no, the it's happened. the 2000 yeah. election again. <laughs> oh, no. So what was going on with Florida right now? But anyway, <laughs> I, I have no idea. So I, I don't want to speculate too heavily on here. It's just like it could be something going on and Capcom needs to step up and, and say something. And they usually will. That's that's their history. But yeah. all right. So that's going to wrap us up. But before we close out here, I wanted to know if you had any final thoughts on all this stuff, like not just the subject, but everything we covered here today. Oh, there's a there's a million things going on here. Um, <laughs> uh, I did want to uh, I wanted to make a point. One, thank you everybody for listening. I don't I don't know if I don't thank the people enough, but I, like throughout the week we see like responses and such and comments, and it like it, it just it makes your week. Uh, yeah. I really love like like the podcast. I've said it a million times, but it's like it's so awesome. And and to have this like kind of building relationship with you guys that are listening, thank you so much. Again, keep telling your friends and, and vote us up on iTunes. Um, we're we're hoping to do more and more with this. In fact, uh, if you if you didn't already see, we released a special episode where I interviewed um, one of the guys from my local scenes. Name is Sean. His tag is Sean, dude. And we just talked about Tekken the whole time because I know that this is a Street Fighter centric podcast. No, no secrets there but people are like hey can we talk about other games sometimes i really wish and and we want to give that to you guys as best we can even if i'm not an expert on all these things hey i'll play the role of the chorus and ask the questions to someone that that does know and i'd like to do that with more games and more you know uh, ideas and angles and such and so uh, we're trying to to reach out that way and and expand in that direction and it only happens if you guys continue to to listen and and give us your feedback so that's much appreciated Um, on the feedback note we'd also be very happy to do uh, we've seen a handful of requests to do a mailbag. We've entertained that idea before, but maybe we're at a point now where you guys are kind of ready to, to shoot us your questions and whatnot. So if you want to do a, uh, a tweet at either one of us, it's, it's better than tweeting at Event Hubs. The Event Hubs um, Twitter is just, is just, there's a lot going on there. So it's much better if you aim it at either Catalyst or myself. Um, and tweet, you know, a, a mailbag question, and we'll do our best to get to as many of those as we can. Um, you know, just something you want us to cover, or an answer, a question that you might have had, or, or even if you just want to give a shout outs, tweet at either one of us with the hashtag Event Hubs Podcast, and we'll uh, we'll talk about you. Um, uh, 
I also want to give a quick shout out to, I, I think this guy's name is just a series of letters. Um, if there's some pronunciation, I'm not going for it, but it's, uh, looks like IZGWCQ. I've just been noticing that he's been doing a lot of uh, commenting and, and has been pretty invested in, and so I wanted to shout him out and say, hey, a specific thank you. And again, that goes out to everybody that, that does this. There are a lot more than just him. But uh, but thank you to IZGWCQ. We, we see your responses and we appreciate them very much. All right. So my final thoughts are, uh, I we, we covered a lot of complaints and a lot of issues with fighting games today. My thought is like, go out there and remember that we're in a really wonderful time for fighting games overall and, and go out there and find a way to enjoy them. You know, it's, there's a bunch of BS out there. We covered the BS and, you know, a bunch of different things like, but, but remember there's a lot of good stuff going on too. And if you're in a spot where you're not mentally enjoying the game, as John said, take a break, you know, take some distance from it and, and find a way to recharge your batteries and get back into it again. You know, and, yeah, and go play there, Street Fighter four. Yeah, I'm there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a lot of fun stuff to enjoy here. And if, and if, man, it's just, it's such a good time, you know, to be a part of the fighting game community and, and don't, don't get lost in that. Like, don't, don't let that, that great stuff that's happening right now, like pass you by and, and not have a chance to sit back and enjoy what we're doing. You know, it's, we've never been bigger. Um, things are going well for the most part, you know, kind of thing. So make sure you can take some time to enjoy that. And, and there it is. Well said. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you all for listening and we'll see you soon. See you later.